Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful. This is KCBS In-Depth. For a few weeks there, America was burning up over gas stoves. It started with a federal official concerned over health and environmental risks, wondering out loud about possible bans. In response came fierce national pushback from those who like their gas stoves, question the research pointing to hazards, and see in this reform push just another example of federal overreach. Fair to say, things have gotten heated. But then there's the Bay Area where this debate is old news at this point. It already sparked off a few years ago when Berkeley broke national ground with the first gas ban in the country. And now, Bay Area regulators are considering even more sweeping action. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Manconi. About one month from now, the Bay Area Air Quality Management District is set to vote on a set of new rules that would aim to phase out gas furnaces and water heaters and replace them with all electric appliances. It's an effort to stamp out some of the biggest sources of pollution from Bay Area cities, but this transition comes with a price tag. and Many residents are worried about how they're going to be able to afford it. So if the world really is going electric in just a few short years, it might be nice to have a guide to help us find our way around. Lucky for us, we've got two of them on the show today, so we're going to welcome them on now. First up, saying hello to Lucas Davis. He's a professor at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, studying energy markets and natural gas regulation. Lucas Davis, welcome to the program. Thank you. Also welcoming on Panama Bartholomew. He's the executive director of the Building Decarbonization Coalition. It's a nonprofit advocacy group working to eliminate pollution from buildings, also Bay Area-based. Uh, Panama Bartholomew, welcome to you as well. Thanks for having us, Keith. So like we said at the top, uh, the Bay Area is something of a trailblazer when it comes to gas bans. It was actually 2019 that Berkeley decided to outlaw gas hookups in most new homes. And uh, since then, dozens of California cities have followed with regulations of their own. 
what we're talking about now are measures that would cover nearly the entire nine-county Bay Area. Uh, if the Air District votes to approve those new rules next month, they'll mean that uh, six years from now, anyone who's looking to install a water heater or furnace in a home will need to get an electric version of that appliance. So that would be an electric water heater or a heat pump. And that covers both new constructions as well as residents in existing homes who need to replace broken appliances. Uh, and we should mention, though, that uh, gas stoves would not be covered by these rules. So let's start by talking about uh, the motivation for this change. Um, in explaining this proposal, the Air Board says that it's trying to cut down on emissions of nitrogen oxide. Um, uh, Panama Bartholomew, walk us through the basics of this pollutant. Uh, why is it a concern, and uh, how much are the appliances, these gas appliances, contributing to the overall problem? Thanks, Keith, and appreciate you drawing attention to this issue. Uh, in the Bay Area and in a lot of California's air basins, burning gas in buildings is an increasing worry for local air quality. Um, and the reason is when you burn natural gas, you produce a variety of pollutants, nitrogen oxides, carbon monoxide, formaldehyde. And unfortunately, increasingly in California, we're starting to understand benzene um, concerns as well. For some reason, larger amounts of benzene out in California than in other parts of the country. And we've done a really good job about cutting down on air pollution from vehicles and from power plants um, over the past 40 years here in California. But we have not done as good a job about cutting down on pollution from appliances. And as you said, water heaters and furnaces being the largest consumers of gas in California um, and therefore the largest producers of pollution. And so right now you have a situation in the Bay Area where buildings are producing more nitrogen oxides in all of the cars and all the power plants um, here in the region. And so if we're going to improve what is one of our top 10 worst air basins in the country on um, air quality, we're going to have to find a way to cut down on pollution from these appliances. And so this regulation that is being considered by the Bay Area Air Quality Management District is going to be a key way to pragmatically phase out the sale of these appliances while giving the market and communities time to be able to adjust to be able to make this happen. Yeah, it's a really interesting kind of reframing about uh, our thinking of how to cut down on pollutions, because I think probably most of us think most readily about transport, maybe power plants, but the, the pollutants coming from our own homes uh, turn out to be significant as well. Um, so uh, great start to the conversation right there. I want to talk about another important consideration behind all this. Of course, uh, climate change is on the minds of uh, regulators and reformers uh, as well. Lucas Davis, again with uh, UC Berkeley, bring that part of the uh, equation into the mix here. Uh, how big of a difference could uh, electrifying the home make in uh, getting climate reductions? So I, I'm glad that you mentioned this is this this whole thinking about electrifying buildings is uh, as a as a climate as a climate objective is is a, is a new phenomenon. I mean, as re as recently as as 2019, there really wasn't a lot of broad discussion about this. In fact, electric heating was ri widely regarded as very expensive and inefficient and inefficient because you because you 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 there's a law there's an energy loss at the power plant when you when you convert fossil fuels into into electricity so what's changed you know the reason that all of this is coming to a head now is because the electric grid both in the US and in California has gotten much much cleaner we've we've shut down a lot of fossil fuel plants 
and we've replaced them with a lot of renewables. Uh, and a big and this is this is kind of a big miracle in energy that uh, grid scale solar and grid scale wind, in particular, have gotten so much cheaper that this has created an opportunity to decarbonize, not only to make the, the the electric system less carbon intensive, but to use electricity for things that we didn't used to use them for. And that's why the, that's why we're having all this discussion today about EVs and electrification of buildings. Uh, now, getting down to this policy in California uh, residential buildings, California households burn 450 billion cubic feet of natural gas annually. In terms of carbon dioxide, that's the equivalent of having 5 million cars on the road. So this is a substantial amount of carbon dioxide. Yeah, yeah. So looking at uh, big savings here, and uh, we could also mention that uh, California at the statewide level is also considering similar reform measures on a slightly less aggressive uh, time frame uh, as well. So a lot of actions happening all at once. Uh, real quick, just going to remind everyone that this is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi. Uh, today we are talking about what it's going to take to electrify the Bay Area's homes, uh, getting some sparks of insight from Lucas Davis. Uh, he's a professor at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business. Also speaking with Panama Bartholomew, Executive Director of the Building Decarbonization Coalition. So uh, as we said, a lot's going on, but uh, since news has been percolating out about these possible new rules, residents have also been voicing concerns. In fact, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle reports that the Air District's public comments have drawn in well north of 500 letters and emails, uh, many in support of the changes, we should say, but uh, many coming from folks who are really worried about what it's going to mean for their homes. And uh, I want to go through some of those worries with you both right now. We'll see if we can come up with any answers to those concerns. Um, uh, i got a whole list to go through. First up, uh, people are worried about the cost of these new electric appliances. Uh, just you know, looking at the sticker price of these electric appliances, and I know it's a more complicated equation than that, but just looking at the sticker price alone, uh, they are more expensive. You know, heat pumps, for example, will set you back a few thousand more dollars to buy and install than their gas counterparts. Um, Panama Bartholomew, what do you say to residents who worry that uh, when their gas appliances break, they're simply not going to be able to afford to uh, replace them with the newer electric versions? Uh, you know, going back again to those uh, comments that the Chronicle reported on, uh, some are worried this could actually force them out of their homes. And I should say up front, Keith, that some of the members of our coalition are the manufacturers of gas equipment, the gas appliances, as well as electric alternatives. And that's the good news here is that most every uh, manufacturer that manufactures gas furnaces um, in this country and sells at a large scale also manufactures heat pumps. And so that's going to be very helpful as we transition the supply chain over to mainstreaming high efficiency electric appliances. And just a, qu a quick, if you could, maybe the 20 second explanation on what a heat pump is. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a heat pump is works a little bit like magic. It uses a refrigerant and a condenser in order to move heat from one location into another. Um, you have a kind of technology like this in your refrigerator, if you have a refrigerator at home that uses a refrigerator and it uses a refrigerant gas to be able to extract heat out of your refrigerator and put it out into your kitchen or wherever else you uh, may have your refrigerator. And so that's one way to think about how a heat pump works. But a heat pump is um, incredibly efficient because you're basically just using electricity um, to run the condenser and to run potentially a fan in order to be able to move that heat or cool air around. And so they can come in at two to four times more efficient than the best in class gas alternative for heating space or heating water. Yeah. And so 
for an HVAC system, for a heating, ventilation, air conditioning system sold here in California for a single family home, it's about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. That's the same cost for a heat pump installation that's going to provide those same benefits to you of heating and cooling your home. A heat pump water heater um, comes in right now, installation about four thousand um, dollars. A heat pump, uh, a non-heat pump water heater, a gas water heater comes in about three thousand dollars. The good news is. With the Federal uh, Inflation Reduction Act, we just got $2,000 tax credits passed for the next 10 years that are going to be eligible for people to be able to help to offset the costs of installing these appliances. There's some other programs that will be coming out from the state and the federal government as well that will hopefully be able to draw those down. And I think we're going to be seeing a scenario where you're going to have high efficiency electric appliances actually coming in at a lower price than gas appliances due to all these programs. And and you know we're talking about uh, about six years uh, for when all of this is going to be said and done for these uh, new regulations if they are indeed uh, passed in the Bay Area. Do you think that that timeline that you're talking about is going to give folks enough time to get ready these programs enough time to get online? That's the plan. Um, I would say that you know we are not prepared for climate change and the impacts of climate change. We have a legacy regulatory structure, a legacy energy infrastructure, um, and a legacy market for water heaters and air conditioning and furnaces. And so the transition is not going to be simple and straightforward. Um, and we're going to all have to work together to make it, make it happen. But the plan is that by setting clear goals for when we're going to be phasing out the sale of gas appliances and then investing heavily in the supply chain and the workforce to be able to get there, that by the time these regulations go into effect, we will have gotten rid of some of the economic inefficiencies um, in this market. Speaking with uh, Panama Bartholomew, I want to bring a, a related worry to you. That is that some older homes don't have the correct electrical setup to support all these new electrical appliances. Uh, uh, talking here about electric panels in particular, apparently, and I'm no expert, just Quoting what I've read in the newspaper, apparently uh, 200 amp panels are what a lot of folks recommend to uh, that you need to go all electric in your home. Uh, getting a retrofit of these is another large expense, can also be very time consuming. And the Chronicle reports some are so worried about this uh, that they're calling for the new rules to include a carve out for homes with these older panels. Uh, Panama Bartholomew, uh, let's start with the basics here uh, for uh, the non-electricians among us. Uh, why is this a consideration uh, how big of an issue do you see it as being and what can be done to address it? Sure. So when you look at the appliances you're going to be installing when you're electrifying your home, you have a heat pump water heater, a heat pump, um, some sort of an electric stove, and probably an electric dryer. And each of those has an electrical draw that will require you to likely make upgrades to your house to bring new 220-volt wiring to your appliances and can very likely for most homes in California lead to the need to upgrade your electrical panels. Electrical panel upgrades are coming in at about $4,000 right now, and it costs anywhere from $500 to $750 to run one of these electrical lines. Um, in the context of a, you know, a $10 to $15,000 job for replacing your furnace, um, it's, it's, the, it's pretty negligible uh, to add that cost in um, when you see it, particularly with the incentives coming. Um, the challenge is timing. Um, it can take some time. When your hot water heater breaks or your furnace breaks, you just want your hot water back. And you don't want to wait for the time to be able to schedule a panel upgrade. 
And so we've been encouraged that the state is starting to roll out incentive programs that encourage money for panel upgrades to cover the cost or some of the cost of panel upgrades. The challenge is, are our political leaders and the regulators of our utilities going to be um, aligning our climate policies with our electrification policies to make sure that we're actually able to upgrade our electrical panels and our electrical service in a timely manner? so that residents are going to want to electrify and don't have to wait weeks in order to be able to get their hot water heater back. And so this is something that we all need to be demanding of the Public Utilities Commission and state government that these upgrades are being able to be made in a timely manner. Hmm. I want to bring in one more worry before we broaden out the conversation again, and that is the concern over power outages. Of course, uh, California has seen quite a few of these in uh, recent years. And uh, when you get struck by a power outage and you have a, a gas furnace, you can still warm your home. Uh, you can uh, still boil your water. But if uh, the power goes out and you're depending all 100% on electricity, you might be out of luck on both fronts. Uh, Panama Bartholomew, uh, does that pose some safety concerns? So the reality is that we're unfortunately no safer uh, relying on natural gas for these appliances and for electricity. And we need to be demanding of our politicians, our political leaders, that we have a stable grid built for the 21st century economy. Um, it's not just about running your house, it's about running a modern economy um, that we need a grid that can be maintained or reliable. Um, modern gas appliances um, all require electricity to function. Um, you need electricity to move heat around from your furnace and to run your thermostat to be able to control it. And you need electricity to run your gas water heater. Uh, your gas stove, yes, you'll be able to run it when the power goes out, but that's um, little comfort um, if you're freezing um, in your house because you can't run any of your appliances, whether they be gas or electric, uh, because of a power outage. So we need to be demanding of our political leaders um, that they are investing in our grid and making it the reliable one that we need. All right. Uh, so some great uh, practical thoughts right there. We're going to broaden the conversation in just a second. Real quick, reminding folks, this is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, we're talking about the effort to phase out gas appliances from Bay Area homes and what will need to happen to make the transition to all electric. Joining us, we've been speaking with Lucas Davis, a professor at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business. Also been speaking with Panama Bartholomew, executive director of the Building Decarbonization Coalition. And so now I want to reflect for a second on the controversy surrounding gas stoves. We haven't really been talking about gas stoves so much, uh, but that has been the national conversation for the past month and a half or so. Uh, we discussed at the top how uh, when it came to light that federal officials were considering health and safety regulations of gas stoves, uh, the backlash was fast and it was severe, uh, especially on Twitter, where a number of Republican politicians sounded off, including, for example, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who tweeted, quote, don't tread on Florida and don't mess with gas stoves. Uh, so, of course, whenever these sorts of debates get picked up on Twitter, things can get a little bit overwrought, maybe even a little bit ridiculous at times. But I, I do think that the discourse is reflecting a real feeling of resentment that a lot of people have, that, you know, the government, especially when it's led by progressives, uh, is prone to take key decisions out of the hands of consumers to decide, you know, what folks can buy, what they can't buy, and, you know, occasionally deem that a product that uh, they've been using their whole life is uh, suddenly no good anymore, not accepting it in our marketplace. 
a lot of folks feel that this is unjust, uh, that, you know, in general, we should err on the side of allowing individuals to make up their own mind. Um, I want to put this question uh, to both of you, uh, starting with you, Lucas Davis. Uh, what do you make of that argument as we try to sort all, uh, all these regulations out? This issue has become incredibly polarized. You, you mentioned at the top that dozens of California cities have bought, banned natural gas. There's, there's, a, there's actually about a half dozen states where cities have banned natural gas. But there's also a dozen states uh, that have banned banning natural gas. So they're out ahead on this in the other direction, saying, no, 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 a jury, local jurisdiction cannot ban natural gas. So this is becoming just incredibly polarized uh, and, and, and difficult. I guess I would reiterate, you know, Panama, Panama said this is a difficult transition, and I, and I think he's absolutely right. We're, the starting point for California is 80% of homes use natural gas for heating. This is what this is the status quo. This is what people are used to. They've chosen natural gas for years because it is the cheapest way to heat your home. Panama's right. There's huge subsidies, subsidies coming for up that, that will help cover the upfront costs of things like heat pumps. But the but the truth is that with California electricity rate, it's where they are. All of the California, no matter where you live in California, you're paying near 20 cents or higher per kilowatt hour. with some of the highest electricity rates in the country. And that heat pump, although it may not cost more than natural gas furnace to install, you're going to be paying more every month for heating. The cost per BTU is higher. Now that'll show up in your electric bill. So I'm 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 very worried about cost, and I and I do think, and I I do have some misgivings about about what I think is a pretty extreme policy to to take natural gas out of out of the hands uh, of households. Uh, so, uh... Interesting. So you you do have concerns about this policy. You just mentioned uh, cost. We've been talking about uh, other considerations as well. What else would you want to throw into the mix that are potential uh, bumps in the road ahead if this policy were to roll out? I mean, yeah, another another bump is the following. So, you know, whether this is CARB for statewide in 2030 or earlier in the Bay Area, if you if you ban the sale of new natural gas furnaces, I'm really worried that households are going to repair their existing furnaces rather than switch to electricity. Imagine your furnace goes out in the middle of the winter, right? You got you got to get heat going. Um, the the are you going to have time in November to research all these subsidies and figure out how a heat pump works and find the right contractor, or are you just going to do some kind of a band aid fix, repair? That in some cases is going to keep a very inefficient old natural gas furnace running longer, maybe a decade longer. Mm. I, I think those, these kind of transition issues are, are are really troubling. Yeah, so a lot of complexity there, Panama, Bartholomew. What do you say to some of the considerations that we just raised? Well, I think that Lucas is right about we have really um, high prices for energy in California. And I think that's going to be one of the benefits of really installing high efficiency electric appliances. Um, he and I may be looking at different uh, different pieces of research, but um, I'm bullish that one of the ways that we're going to help to control costs is through installing heat pump technology. As I said earlier, it's, it's two to four times more efficient than your best in class gas appliance. Um, and right now, the California Public Utilities Commission is going through a rate reform proceeding um, to look at how it can reform electricity rates, particularly for lower income households. And so the combination of very highly efficient appliances combined with reformed rates, I'm hoping can uh, really help um, low income households in particular be able to control costs. But um, we will see. The reports that I see and the research that I read about high efficiency electric appliances suggest that it's going to be near a wash. 
um, on the energy costs in California. We have a very moderate climate. We don't have heavy need for a lot of heating. And um, Lucas and I are going to have to check back in with you in about five years to see how this all plays out on costs. Um, on the repair issue, um, Lucas is absolutely right that the, the the key player here is the contractor. You know, and that's who we need to win over here. The installer of water heaters and heat pumps or furnaces is the absolutely key individual. It's not going to be the individual household owner who's going to research five, six, seven different programs. It's going to be the contractor who's going to be able to come in at the kitchen table and say, I can install a heat pump for you at this cost due to these programs, um, or I can install a gas furnace for you. Um, and here's the choice for you. And because of these programs, the heat pump's going to be cheaper, but um, until 2027, at least in the Bay Area, I can install either one. So we're going to be relying heavily on engaging the workforce, and that's why it's critical that state and federal officials implement policies that actually work for the workforce and work for the supply chain. If they are not going to buy in, we're not going to be able to make this transition. All right. Well, that touches on the closing question that I wanted to put to both of you, which is, you know, beyond these regulations that local and state officials are considering, you know, gas bans, what else should be done to ease this transition to all electric homes? Uh, Bans, it seems like, probably are not going to be enough by themselves. What other kind of supports could be done? What other kinds of strategies could we adopt to just make this an easier process? Because you guys have identified a number of ways that uh, this this can get challenging in some places if uh, there was not any help coming. Uh, Lucas Davis, uh, closing thought, uh, what what, what sorts of uh, strategies would you hope to see in the coming years? For me, the number one reform is to ref- is to reform California electricity rates. Our the price per kilowatt hour of electricity is way too high, and, and that's making it hard to buy an EV. It's making it hard to install a heat pump. If you bring that down, and I and I have a lot of ideas for another for a future conversation about yeah. how you could do that. If you could bring that down, that's going to help 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 people make better decisions. And uh, Panama Bartholomew, closing thought to you: uh, What are you? What other sorts of reforms would you be looking for in the coming years? Well, I'd say anybody that's interested in learning more about this, there's a resource for you called the Switches On. You can go to switcheson.org to be able to find out much more about this issue, and be able to find all of the incentives available to you, as well as all of the con- a bunch of contractors who actually help you down this path, rather than uh, talk you out of it. So, switcheson.org. Um, the 2020s. Are, are going to be tough, as we mentioned before, because you know we're not ready for climate change. We're not ready for the both the physical impacts or the economic impacts, and so it's going to be a transition decade as we learn um, what the future of energy looks like in our economy. And so, what I'm looking forward to seeing is learning a lot this decade, so we can be moving to a much more at scale public work style approach to building electrification, hmm. where we're taking it off the burden off of the individual homeowner and instead working with utilities, their ability to be able to raise capital and bring good high-level workforce to bear to be able to do neighborhood scale building electrification. It's been a dream of the energy efficiency community for decades, but I think the building decarbonization community can actually help make it real. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, a lot more to look out for. And uh, as you say, I mean, education is going to be a big part of this. So we thank both of you for helping to educate us, our listeners, and help folks get uh, prepared for these changes that seem to be on the way at this point. Uh, We are going to round out the conversation today right there. We have been speaking one last time to Lucas Davis. He is a professor at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business. 
Lucas Davis, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank, thank you very much. Also speaking with uh, Panama Bartholomew, he's the executive director of the Building Decarbonization Coalition. Thanks to you as well, Panama. Thanks for having me, Keith. And also, uh, in closing, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, let folks know that the Climate Center, based out of Santa Rosa, is set to hold a webinar next month on some of these topics. It's another resource people can keep in mind. They're going to be going through the challenges of electrifying California's homes uh, and buildings and talking about solutions. So a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about here, just in uh, a lot more depth, I would expect. That is set for March 15th. Again, with the Climate Center, we're going to give a link in the show's online post. So you can look for it right there. Thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll talk again next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.